Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by MissedApexPodcast.com. We live F1. And Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Today's episode is called this is your father's Formula One. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two-Rumpets. How's it going, buddy? All right. Shall we compare sleep deprivation? Oh, absolutely. So you went late. You had to stay up super late to watch the race. Yeah, our race started at, uh, well, Quali, I think, started at 2 a.m. our time, and the race started at 1. And, and both evenings, I went to bed around 6 in the morning and was up at 10. Well, I had a deal with my wife that um, I would get up with the kids on uh, on Sunday because this is the only day that F1 widows like my wife benefit because she gets a lion for Mother's Day because I'm up anyway. Right. Well, that's your first mistake, having Mother's Day this early in the year and the same weekend as the first race. I'm not in control of Mother's Day, but she did benefit. She was meant to wake up yesterday, but she inevitably betrayed me. Oh, how I loathe that woman. What a horrible mistake I made. This week, of course, Matt, we review the Australian Grand Prix. Ferrari took the win. Were they faster or did Mercedes drop the ball? And where were Red Bull? And what's with the McLaren bug that kills the car whenever it drops down to 11th? Well, Matt, just as I consistently predicted, Ferrari win the Australian GP. As I've been saying for weeks, Ferrari will definitely, definitely end up on top this week. Yes, that is exactly what you said numerous times across every communications app we share. That's exactly what you said about Ferrari. There was no deviations whatsoever. Okay, okay, fine. I'll put my hands up. I thought out of testing, it seemed obvious that the status quo had been maintained, you know, granted with a, a smaller gap. And and to be fair, I still stand by by my assertion that Mercedes are the team to beat, but that result made F1 just sit up and pay attention, didn't it? Well, yeah, and it, it could not have come at a better time for the sport, although... Once everyone gets over the excitement of 
a car not named Mercedes winning all of the races, I think we might still be looking at some issues going forward. For those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or in the car or at work. Some great guests tonight, Matt. Uh, Not like superstar guests, but like the stalwart. You know, the people we're used to. Familiar faces. Yes, none better for the first race of the year. The ethnically ambiguous voice of Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? Good evening, Spanners and everybody else. How are we all keeping? Very, very good. You have a nice rough beard. You're looking sexy, ready to rock. It's laziness. I'll shave before work tomorrow. (laughs) And from uh, Formula Spy and from Autosport Junior Programme from Lean Angle Podcast, it's Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens who allegedly has a beard. Yes, yes, I'm growing mine out. Um, live stream, let me know what you think of it, because this was quite the accident, it has to be said. Oh, oh do live stream. Oh, do tell us what you think of it. Please. And rounding off the panel is Ryan Screensaver Ferret. How's it going, Ryan? What's up, Spanners? How's it going? I have to say, Screensaver is the perfect nickname for you. Have you ever looked at Ryan when he's not talking? He like goes into like full-on <laughs> process mode. Like, Ooh. I love that. I love it. Okay, let's start with some big dirty news, which is the race. Big dirty news. Matt, finally, finally Formula One's back. Yes, and we got off to such a great start to the week with stupid driver tricks, which, by the way, is a reference to the old Letterman show, for those of you who think I'm using a naughty word, as it is in school these days. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did see the Force India Volleyball. It was like a very cheap reproduction of Top Gun. Yes, well, I think this is what has happened. The teams have now embraced Liberty throwing loose the shackles of social media freedom, and they've programmed their drivers to engage in all sorts of PR-type stunts early on in the week. And, of course, I think probably the highlight, if you're a driver, had to be beach volleyball with Olympians. That did look to be kind of fun for them. But I think Red Bull went to the most effort because, of course, we had the infamous paddleboard race between Carlos Sainz and Danny Kvyat. Oh, yes. But but it was interesting to me that Toro Rosso got paddleboards, but but Red Bull got a dinghy race. They had actual motors <laughs> in their vehicles. So I don't know if that says something or not about the uh, relations between the two teams. Oh, we forgot to say hi to the chat room. Speaking of putting the effort in, they've turned out in numbers. They've stuck with us through yet again predictable tech problems uh blackout 19 says neck beard for that finest redneck impression sam harper says pathetic effort zero out of ten <laughs> uh, some love for the screensaver nickname uh, it looks like a mormon's beard ray parker the beard looks a lot more like hanging moss and patrick green says it's all about the neck beard hannah hassel it's slightly pathetic chris not gonna lie okay i'm gonna get rid of this tonight <laughs> uh Kristen k ha 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 beard <laughs> Uh, right, a shadow moonlighting as a beard. Pup- oh no, I can't read that one. <laughs> Tell you what, <laughs> let's move on, Matt. Let's move on. Yeah, so they're doing a lot more promo, and and some of it's really good because you've got people like Lewis Hamilton showing you around the catering. It seems benign, but that's what Formula One, you know, fans want to see because he's like, you know, he's the Justin Bieber of Formula One. He's got that reach and that tapping to the younger audience, and finally, we're going to utilize it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if, for example, uh, they had Botas playing hockey of all things, which I, you know, I don't know. Um, ice wet doesn't seem to do too well for him, but apparently, if you give him skates, he's okay on slippery surfaces. Um, and even McLaren got into the act by driving a novelty orange car. Uh, by actually yes, having to drive the cars they provided in the race, yes. But not all of them have got it right, because then you see Marcus Ericsson's efforts, haven't you? Where he just basically flaps around on the floor, waiting for the tide to come in and wash him back out to sea. Yes, no, that was that was a tragic photo that they did <laughs> put, put forth of him. <laughs> he may have been stretching. Did you see that there was an FIA tweet that said, Oh, something along the lines of, oh, check out the report on this week's thrilling Australian Grand Prix. Now, no offense to this week's Grand Prix. Uh, Australia has its foibles as a tight street circuit that's hard to pass on. But for the FIA to call it thrilling was a, a little bit of an oversell. And I quoted the tweet and I said, thrilling, maybe not compelling, perhaps. And they actually deleted the tweet. Did I make the FIA delete a tweet? No, probably somebody trolled them and said that thrilling was a naughty word in English. All right, Chris, what's your overall impression? You saw the cars in qualifying the first time in anger. H- how did it land with you? Um, well, as predicted, you don't notice the speed, um, apart from maybe in sort of like the high speed. Actually, no, to be fair, watching them through the high speed game was pretty damn impressive. But o- overall, I'm not kind of sitting there thinking, wow. Um, and the times necessarily weren't as quick as we were expecting. Um, although um, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised by the gap to um, Ferrari from Mercedes. It was only three tenths of a second from pole to uh, Vettel, uh, which was quite good. Um, I, I, I really did not, you know, jump aboard this Ferrari hype train. I really did not expect them to be anywhere near them. Um, really, I thought it was going to be sort of almost like 2016, where yeah, there was sort of quick in testing, but then they didn't actually win any races. And well, they've improved on that already. Uh, did you hear uh, Chris's voice cracking there, Alex Van Jean? Perhaps that explains the beard. What were your first impressions of, of F1 this year? The cracking of his voice proves he cannot have a beard because his voice hasn't dropped yet. Bless you, darling. Um, no, to be fair, you talk about you can't see the speed, but you can, because they're breaking. You can see how much later they're breaking. Whenever they show anything compared to last year's cars, you can see the difference. You know, they're dropping only to seventh for the fast chicane. Seventh through a chicane. That's amazing. The word seventh gear and chicane should never, ever be in the same sentence. It's unbelievable. Um, did it spice up the racing? In Not in Melbourne. Um, I'm still going to sit on the fence and wait, um, but I'm not going to slag it off because I still really enjoyed it. Just just to kind of say, you know, obviously, if you compare it to 2016, it's going to look a heck of a lot quicker. But if you're just watching a bunch of 2017 cars just in a session, it, I wasn't um, the majority of the time. I wasn't particularly, you know, stunned by it. More so in qualifying, I agree. Um, but yeah, but you can see it, though. You can see them fighting it a lot more. You can see they're hardly lifting. And whenever you watch the race, the races last year, they're lifting through corners and they're off throttle for a lot, lot longer. They're hardly off throttle. It's amazing to watch. Um, I, yeah, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily look particularly faster. To the untrained eye, <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> oh, my God. That's... I'm not calling your eye untrained, sort of, but... 
you know what I mean? Sort of. Uh, that mirrors the abuse you gave me this morning because I only woke up at half past five. You said that's the difference between a fan and a racer. It's like, wow, that's a sick burn for half five in the morning. All my race fans were up at half past, all my racers were up at half past four. <laughs> yeah, so the chat room, much like Ferrari, is on it from the go, uh, <laughs> saying Chris admitting he was wrong bigly about his prediction. And Evangelos Eterocleitus saying, at some point, we'll have to acknowledge Matt's pretty close 0.325 between pole and P2 premonition, which is totally there. But my favorite, again, Blackout 19 already competing. The speed that Red Bull broke down was impressive. And they're still talking about Chris's beard. It's scrolled loads and it's still going on. I love it. That's fantastic. (laughs) All right, then, Matt, let's quickly go into qualifying then, uh, because this was this was what we were looking at. And this is where, like you and I had had sort of we laid our stakes in the ground. I'd said, you know, Mercedes was still going to have over half a second lead. You had said, all right, exactly what happened, I guess. But I think the big surprise was Red Bull was struggling um, to get that speed. And this was a, a lot to do with they had to change their suspension last minute. Well, and it wasn't just their suspension. I mean, they got the double whammy because not only did they have to lose their trick hydraulic suspension that was letting them ditch downforce on the straights and go as fast as the cars that had engines that worked properly, but Renault had run into an ERS problem at testing and had solved it. It's an issue with the insulation, but they were unable to bring the solution to Melbourne. So they had to go with the previous gen ERS and Red Bull, along with Renault, had to basically make some new parts in order to accommodate the different design of the 2016 ERS. So they were not only fighting the suspension, but also a slight redesign as well. Yeah, Chris. So that means that this 2017 engine isn't going, well, the 2017 ERS isn't going to come into effect until at least Monaco when they change the engine. But Red Bull have got another issue in that their usual trick of creating a very slippery car to combat that lack of straight line speed, it it doesn't seem to be working. It might be circuit dependent. It might be something with this new car. But uh, Max Verstappen very much pointed the finger after qualifying that this slippery car idea, trimming of the wings and all that, it wasn't working for them. They're really losing out in the corners. Yeah, and if if you watch them through the fast corners, I noticed the the car just looked it looked awful through the corners. Really, it looked as though it had a a lack of grip. It looked as though it wasn't able to transfer the uh, energy to the tires uh, in order for it to uh, sort of go around the corner. It was just sort of like it almost just slipping, and you could see Verstappen drifting it round uh, the same corner that uh, Ricardo lost it and put it into the barriers. And I wouldn't put that down to driver error. I just put it down to being a poor car. Yeah, there was a moment, and I, I think it was in FP3, where they had a nice side shot of one of the Red Bulls approaching turn turn one, I think it was. And as they got heavy on the brakes, you could just see the nose of the car bouncing up and down. So I think what has happened, and you can see it too when you talk about not being able to transfer the weight effectively, in order to try and get the car to flatten without using uh, an asymmetrically valved hydraulic um, heave element, which is, I think, how they were doing it. What they've done is, I think they've tried to spring the car really softly. The bouncing up and down is killing the arrow going into the turns, and I think it's making it even worse for them. I think the suspension is really a problem that they're going to have to solve if they want to 
oh, say, compete with Williams at this point. Well, speaking of competing, let's go on to the race review. But before we do, let's go to the competition we had when we laid our reputations on the line for the Fantasy GP League. Joining us is Fancy GP Coordinator, Patrick Green. You've got a title to match the beard and hair, Patrick. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, so how did we all do? A couple things. One, uh, it is absurdly close between a few of you guys. Uh, Two, I am apparently terrible at this game. (laughs) Uh, And three, I think in general, this is a really interesting week because there were so many sort of upsets and it was such a new template for the season. So there's some some cool stuff to to uh, to see on there. So uh, you want me to go ahead and give you guys the numbers? I kind of do, but I I know who's third and I know the pain that that is going to cause me. But yeah, sure. Let's if we must not even here to gloat about it. No, deliberately. That's why he's not invited on this week. Go on then. Let's go. (laughs) All right. So uh, so so Matt Trumpets. With Team Glory lasts forever, you are at 118 points, putting you at 62nd. Haha, <laughs> loser. A woeful performance. Indeed. Well, uh, next, we have uh, Spanners Ready with Spanners Ready Racing at 119 points. So one point up on Matt, uh, putting him point. at number 56. Very, uh, very interesting. Wait a minute. So are all the podcast crew in the top? top 50 or so that's quite good considering there's 174 people in there that's pretty good no i'm a point behind that (laughs) i'm i'm i sort of scored like 84 points because i sort of forgot to uh predict who was going to be on the podium and so yeah that's where i lost out yeah we're 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 getting there we're we're so we have we have alex van jean uh with project four racing at 117 points (laughs) so one point below uh trumpets meaning that he is in 65th place. Uh, and Ryan Ferret Ferris with Ferret Racing uh, has 85 points, which means he is number 150 currently. You um, suck! <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, and Jake Sanson, uh, of course, uh, is in third in the entire Friends League at the moment. Mm. A commanding performance. So, you know, we'll see what happens next week. Wow. We've written a note to the race directors about this. His technical. <laughs> I suppose Did Matt gloat last week about how none of us know how to win this competition, and he's down the bottom of me. Yeah, no, and I would much like Mercedes admit that I think my I just need to dial my strategy in a little bit, and you are all going to be toast by the time the season is over. I am very confident that none of you have figured out how to crack this nut properly. I'm annoyed because mine was slightly the wrong way, and Vettel's face really annoys me, but. That's the general status, but yeah, just the wrong <laughs> way around. Otherwise, I'd have been much, much better. Um, yeah. annoyed at that. And to be fair, the previous league in which I competed gave you partial points if you were within one or two places. Can so, we do that one then? So, so I didn't realize that one had to be that specific with predictions, but it's okay. I think I've got to figure it out. You're all going to lose. Uh, Patrick, I just want to ask what what your beard growing technique is. <laughs> Age. He has age. I, I, you can and probably tell. I'm, I'm starting to grow mine out. Uh, oh, I can see. I, it looks terrific. Thank, I, thank you. You're the first person to have said that to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's very it's very it's very good. Absolutely thrilling, guys. 
<laughs> Patrick, uh, so where did you do? How did you do in the fantasy league, sir? Oh, I, I got I got destroyed by my wife and my father uh, and, and essentially everybody else that I have invited to do this league. I came in like, you know, pretty much in Ferret's neck of the woods, which was disgusting. I banked very heavily on Red Bull for this uh, out of a sense of loyalty. And yep. uh, and you can see where that where that led me. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't do very well. Felix um, in the Slack group says, how are we supposed to believe what Summers says when he's 150th? So I said, too. Because he's busy analyzing cars and not playing games. All right, Patrick, do you think you've cracked? Patrick, do you think you've cracked the secret to this fantasy league then for next week? I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it and get back to you. Yeah. And by the way, for some for listeners who might want to join up but haven't yet, could you repeat the code? So again, so it's fantasygp.com. Go to friends, go to wrong but first. uh, And the passcode is 839783. Um, and we have almost 200 people in it, which is frankly insane to me. Uh, it's amazing. And uh, it's a really great group. Um, and it is definitely not too late to join because you end up, uh, you can really make up a ton of ground through the season. So I, I, I really encourage you to join up. And if you have any questions, you know, just give me a shout out on Facebook and I'll get back to you. That's the Missed Apex Facebook group in Missed Apex Podcast Facebook group on that there Facebook. Patrick, thank you very much for taking the time to come and talk to us. Good luck, and we will catch you after China. Matt, the start was as predictable and dull a start as you could want if you were a Lewis Hamilton fan. Uh, he, he got off the line wonderfully well. Uh, the tension, I know Alex was sat there with his heart beating like a drum, didn't help that we had uh, an aborted start. I think it was because Hulkenberg put it in the wrong place or or some such thing. I think the confusion caused by Ricciardo having to start from the pits uh, eventually. Yeah, uh, apologies for invading your fact-free zone, but it was decidedly not Hulkenberg's fault. They used his onboard video to figure out who it was, and I believe, although Chris might have a better uh, have a better finger on it, that uh, the, that Fiat was the one that they had pegged, and that Whiting himself said that it was a start issue that needed looking at. Yeah, Chris? Uh, I had it down as Perez, but... Um... The, the point I was going to make, actually, was it was a very uneventful start, even though we've got these new cr- crutch, uh, crutch? clutch regulations that supposedly uh, were, were, are supposed to spice up the starts and make things very uneven at the get-go. So I, 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 that was just something I noted when the, uh, when the lights went out. Maybe that shows the systems they had in place last year showed it wasn't the driver and maybe it was the systems, not the driver. I'll say driver a few more times in that sentence. He's talking about Lewis Hamilton. Isn't it interesting? Damon <laughs> no. Hill on Sky was still <laughs> blaming Lewis Hamilton for those starts. I don't know how many times Total Wolf has to come out and say it, how many times engineers have to come and talk about the clutch last year, and people are still saying, oh, well, starts were a weak point for Lewis Hamilton. Absolutely maddening, but surely Damon Hill should know a bit better than that, and I don't believe he's someone with an agenda. Uh, but yeah, Matt, so... What else did you make from the start before I dare to move on? Well, from the start, I, I made that obviously Mercedes had to be happy with their clutch redesign. And it was really a fight between Botas and third and Vettel for second. And and that, that was a little bit fun to watch. But but the, the big entertainment was, of course, um, Magnussen and Ericsson becoming best of friends out of turn three and into the uh, right to the beach. They went straight away. As if almost there was a C on the other side of it. Almost as if Magnus had said, hang on a minute. 
You're not meant to be on the track. Off you go. But unbelievably, Alex, you're going to tell me, oh, it's a racer, let them race. There wasn't a penalty for that because they've got this new thing uh, this year that they are not going to penalise people unless it was something horrendous. But I can't think of anything more horrendous than just punting someone into the gravel. But it was Ericsson, so acceptable? I totally agree with these banners because... um, that was an unbelievable move from Ericsson, not wanting to go into the sea. And he just got plain shunted off. If that was in any race that I've been in, any kart race, anything like that, and you hit someone's rear quarter going into a corner, you're getting a penalty. Um, because it's clear that that is a clear ABC advantage by contact. Not that he got an advantage, but it was a pure, pure contact. Wipe somebody out, deserves a penalty. Um, going back just one corner, if you'll let me, is the biggest save of that start was young Lance Stroll. He very easily could have done a Kobayashi into that first corner, and he managed to get that thing stopped. And I actually think he made a position on it as well. Did a brilliant job. Yeah. Then I, to, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, he then had to pit because he t- ridiculously flat spotted his tyres. He was he was in the, he was um, channeling world champion Nico Rosberg after Russia 2015. Yeah, so to to speak to the Magnuson thing, not that he's looked like the best of racers this weekend and the Haas, but it was very clear that he caught too much of the curb on the inside and and completely the the rear end he just lost the steering and that that understeered him into Ericsson. It it was not it was not a malicious move. That said, I agree with you in every other race series I've seen that would have been an automatic penalty. It's still an error. It's a driver error that causes a problem that affects somebody else's race. That's a penalty. Yeah, I agree. Matt, right. should, we, should, we, should we address the elephant in the room here? Because the start's all fine and well. Uh, Lewis Hamilton got away. Uh, Sebastian Vettel seemed to keep pace beautifully. Uh, Bottas gets left behind 10 seconds in the dirt alongside Kimi Raikkonen. Surprisingly off pace. Surprising that he couldn't get up to the front too. Uh, but then... Obviously, it was tactics that all went wrong. You're our man for tactics and strategy. Did Ferrari massively mess up here? Did I say Ferrari? I meant Mercedes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and let's just be clear. For Botas, his first stint was a disaster. If he'd been able to keep pace a little bit better, he'd have been sitting on the second step of the podium. There's very little doubt about that. And Raikkonen, Raikkonen never had the car the way he wanted it. And and that was clear after the race. It was clear in qualifying. He just whatever. When when we got to Saturday, it, they couldn't quite get it where he needed it to be effective. But that said, P four not the end of the world for him and Ferrari. What happened? Well, I think you know there at times seems to be a race between Ferrari and Mercedes as to who can have the worst possible strategy for the person in the best position. And I think it was won by Mercedes this week. It's pretty much boiled down to. Here's the thing. Going into this year, the general election was that the overcut, i.e. pitting later, would be better than the undercut because the tire lasts longer and they're already up to temperature. So you can create a more of a gap before you come into your pit stop. So pitting later potentially was the better move. However, Ferrari, knowing this, had already planned, and this is the funny funny and yet slightly ironic thing, they had actually planned to try and undercut Lewis 
And on the lap that he pitted, they got into the window to do that. And Mercedes, being aware of this, decided that the the better course in this instance was to get Lewis onto some new tires. And it might well have been, except for the rolling chicane that was Max Verstappen. And, and, and we see this clearly, Lewis's outlap, his first clean lap, he ran a 127.5. And that was more than half a second faster than Vettel. And he was already inside Vettel's pit window, meaning had he continued at this pace, Vettel would have come out behind him. When he got to Verstappen, who was running almost a second slower, he could not get by him on that track. And after three more laps, lap 23, Vettel was Vettel. Vettel had Hamilton outside the pit window. In he came, out he went, just in front of Verstappen. In fact, they actually had one of the more exciting moments as Vettel established his dominance and uh, lit off into the lit off into the sunset. And it, and it was a done race at that point. And it was a shame because had he come out behind Hamilton, I think he had the faster car. We could have seen like. We could have seen a lot more of what we saw the first four laps near the end of the race, but that's what it was. Yeah, Ryan. But wouldn't wouldn't the call to pit uh, Hamilton's because he said that he wanted to pit for new tires? So it wasn't all Mercedes because it was Hamilton that was saying that he wanted new tires. Well, and and this is exactly what he said after the race. He said his tires were done. I needed to come in for new tires. However, Mercedes said that they had asked Hamilton in particular, but both their drivers to give them lots and lots of tire info throughout the whole race, which kind of suggests Mercedes wasn't entirely happy with either how the tires were working or the, were not entirely confident of the data they had, because these are after all brand new tires in their very, very first race. What it comes down to uh, is in the about 60 seconds, I think they had to make that choice. They had lost track of where Verstappen was because I think if you asked anyone at Mercedes, would you knowingly put one of your drivers behind Max Verstappen and then tell him he had to get past in three laps or he would lose the race? I think the answer would be no, I'd keep them out on track. And what makes that decision worse is if you look at the delta between Hamilton and Verstappen, he would have been he would have established a pit window on Verstappen sooner rather than later that would have let him that would have let him pit and and come back out in front of, and and not let Vettel get ahead of him. It was Verstappen blocking that that really made the race at the front. Yeah, Alex. At the end of the day, Mercedes broke the golden rule of strategy when overtaking is difficult. Track position is king, and Mercedes took that track position away from Lewis and gave the race away. To be fair, Ferrari probably had the pace to deal with anything that. Um, the uh, Ferrari that Mercedes had today, but they just compounded it. Okay, let's interrupt you there. We have a caller from the chat room on the line. Fantastic. Who have we got, caller? Hi, this is Sam. Hello. Hello, Sam, with some amazing, incredible audio. Are you Sam Harper from our Slack group? Yes, ah, yes, I am. Fantastic. Well, yes. nice to see you and hear you in person. And thanks very much for your support of Missed Apex Podcast. Uh, what did you think of today's race? What's your comment? Uh, I quite enjoyed today's race. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the fun watching all the cars pushing flat out. Bit of a shame about the actual on track racing, but whatever. So uh, my um, my question, uh, basically, um, like uh, Palmer and Magnussen did, had an awful awful weekend, didn't they? Like way off their respective teammates. 
So uh, do you think that maybe that last year's Renault had some potential that was completely squandered by the fact that they're both, well, clearly completely useless? Chris Stevens. <laughs> Bravely with an opinion. Are you deliberately bringing people with fantastic beards into this show tonight? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, to answer your question, Sam, um, I do not think that Renault had any kind of potential whatsoever. It was basically a 2015 Lotus chassis with a new Renault engine stuck into the back of it. It was an absolute dog of a car. For Palmer, Palmer's just had one of those dreadful weekends where just everything seems to go wrong for you he had a broken seal on his gearbox in fp1 which cost him most of the session and yeah he binned it in fp2 and that cost him another half a session that one was his fault fair enough but um there's just there, there seems to be something a little bit i don't want to say dodgy but he wasn't satisfied with his car at all after the rebuild uh so there are definitely some more issues uh, for him to have been three seconds away from his teammate, I don't think that he, his natural ability would have him that far off. Sam, do you agree with that? Where do you put the blame? Uh, well, obviously, he did have a complete wreck of a weekend because yeah, his car was. Uh, I don't think the lack of practice helped, but uh, I've I've no I've never seen two teammates like depart from each other like that go to different teams and then just completely get annihilated by both their teammates because i i get the excuse for palmer but i don't get it for magnus and i don't understand why he was so far off uh grows on this weekend and as somebody here who's been trying to champion julian's chances and say no no d- let's not write him off yet not a n- not a good start no, actually sam not. thank you very much for your call uh, we'll take the rest of that response offline great to see you hope you call in again cool thanks a lot bye chris um, I, on the K-Mag situation, I, K-Mag seems to be one of those maybe slightly misunderstood uh, drivers because I think a lot of people maybe think he's, uh, this is going to sound quite harsh, but better than he actually is because there isn't actually a lot of evidence to suggest that, that he is you know a top quality racing driver. I mean, uh, in the season with McLaren JB pretty much wiped the floor with him in the second half of the season once the car actually was you know drivable um and he had a season with Palmer you'd expect him to be beating Palmer he's in his first season and Uh, and actually when he got into the second half of the season Palmer was more than a match for him okay Chris look I've heard you I've heard you no more beards on the show we've got a video caller uh Hannah thanks for joining us on Missed Apex hello and uh, thanks for your support of Missed Apex. I hope the Slack group hasn't been too horrible a place to hang out uh, to discuss F1. No, I spent my life in a sick form college. It really can't be that bad. Oh, no, a student. Disregard everything she says. Hannah, uh, what's your comment on today's race? I mean, I was just thinking about when I met Damon in October, he... Casually dropped he that. Was, yeah, casually dropped that in. He was really... Um, <laughs> he was really... Um, looking forward to the new regulations and he seemed quite contrary to that today on on sky but i mean he kind of seemed less enthusiastic than he had been before testing but i think everyone's a little bit after that race not that it wasn't interesting because it was billed as this is formula one back it's going to be growling supercars a thousand miles an hour it will blow your face off with uh, excitement and imagination your dad was right formula one needs to go back to these specs and then we've seen it and actually, not a lot happened in the second half of the race, did it, Anna? Yeah, exactly, basically. 
uh, anything interesting happened in the first half. And then as soon as we got kind of past the pit stops and everything, kind of it just kind of settled into a rhythm. And I, at this point, make the point that that pretty much was your dad's Formula One. Anybody who goes back and watches any of those historic races is like, oh, look, it was actually the, the most entertaining part was that the cars would just randomly explode and catch on fire. And you never knew quite when that was going to happen or who it was going to happen to. Uh, there wasn't a lot of passing all the time in Formula One. And, you know, and that's kind of what we got. So if it, you a throwback you were looking for, a throwback you were going to get. But I did want to quickly speak to the Renault situation. I think there was an issue with Julian's car, especially in the race, given that it broke down and refused to keep on going. And, and he hated the thing the entire weekend. And we've seen him race well at, Australia before so I don't think we can just lay it all on a total lack of talent on his part but clearly he did not get some part of the setup that that Hulkenberg did Ryan shock me by staying on topic so uh, uh so what Matt is pretty much uh, uh suggesting is that uh, the FIA stick thermal detonators inside the engine bays and then they roll a dice and then whatever number it lands on they blow up their engine that uh so um uh, that that could be an idea, but what, one one thing that I found about the race was um, yes, it wasn't exciting wheel to wheel combat, but it was a very tense sort of like on the edge of the seat race because you had the the first part of the race was Vettel at uh, catching uh, Hamilton, and you're sort of thinking, is he going to catch him? Is he going to pass him? And then the second half of the race was Bottas catching Hamilton, which I sort of found towards the end that something was a bit fishy about that, considering uh, it was a bit weird how he uh, was closing in. He closed in from seven seconds to two seconds, and then it just stayed at two seconds. Matt, uh, interject while I write down where Ryan said all this to hack it out. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I would say, first of all, as a millennial, I'm surprised you missed the very obvious trick of instead of rolling a dice, having people vote on social media for which driver's engine goes flambe. I, I, I keep telling you, I'm 75 years old. All right. Okay, look, shut up, you old people. Hannah, I mean, this this very much, if you're in sixth form, I, I'm about 20 years older than you. I mean, this is going back to my Formula One uh, as a kid. So how does that feel? You make you feel as someone who's grown up in the era of chocolate tyres, DRS, uh, split strategies all over the place, multiple pit stops. How are you feeling about this season, having seen what you've seen? Well, I, I watched, I've watched some of the old ones from the 80s and 90s. And, like, they are fun to watch, but it's not... I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks very much for your call, Hannah. I hope we speak to you again. Thank you. Bye. Alex, let's hear from you. I've just had a thought. Maybe in Bernie's infinite wisdom, he brought these regulations in to show actually that it wasn't a million times better back in the early noughties, <laughs> late nineties, when there was loads and loads of downforce and the racing was quite dull back in the day, apart from the odd race, which is the only ones you get to see on highlight reels. Chris, yeah, Chris. Uh, obviously, we've got another another departure back to the 1980s happening on Wednesday. But depressing politics aside, <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe you brought that in. Um, well, first of all, I would just like to thank Hannah for not having a better beard than me. Um, also, Ryan, I would like to counter your Mercedes argument by saying it is simply the fact that cars just can't follow each other. It's the classic scenario. They close up a massive gap and they get anywhere close and they, they can't 
push that wall down. And, and was Vettel going away from Hamilton at that point? I, I think his tires came, I think his performance came back in somewhat the last 10 laps of the race or so. And, and uh, yeah, it would have been fun to see Otas try and get past him, but I don't think he would have number one. And I'm pretty sure Mercedes would rather him save his engine because they only get four. And one thing that was very apparent from the large number of people who failed to finish the race, the engines are getting used a lot harder with these new regulations. This, this seems to be something as well that's still bugging me. And it's that we still don't know if Mercedes are actually running at 100% yet. But then you could also say we don't know if Ferrari are running at 100% yet. But then I would also say that Mercedes would run the minimum amount of power to win that race. And they didn't win that race. So maybe they are running at 100%. But I guess, obviously, in China, and um, Bahrain will get a better idea of that. One interesting thing that uh, cropped up was uh, Christian Horner saying that uh, no matter how hard they try, they reckon for certain they're going to have to use five engines this season. They can't make the four engines. Yeah, I had that as well. I had that as well. And I just, I was, I've been saying it to everyone who listened this whole weekend. I can't understand why they've gone to four. Um, because it's not a cost-saving measure if everyone's going to have to use five, six engines anyway, especially, as you just said, Chris, about they're going to have to run the engines so much harder this year. They're going to need more. You can't give them less. We're still in the first <laughs> four years of a new engine regulation. Give them a chance. I wow. Think it should be, I think it should be six or seven engines. So now we're into engine regulations. Boys, we are truly all over the place. Fantastic. Matt, did we, did we even decide, did we even finish whether we thought that it was Ferrari's genuine pace or Mercedes making a horrendous error. Um, I I think it's a little bit of a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, if you will. I think Ferrari had the pace of the day. I I'm not convinced in the in the late stages of the race that Mercedes would have been able to match them. But if you look at how hard it was to overtake for cars that were close on pace, I'm also not sure Ferrari would have been able to get by had they not managed to scoot out in front at the only pit stop we saw for most, uh, only four people had double pit stops. I'll slightly counter yeah. that before going to Chris, because I mean, if you look at the number two cars, you, you saw Kimi struggling to keep up with Bottas and you saw Hamilton on a deficit of old tires. So he had Old tyres, obviously, older once Vettel came out, and he continued to have old tyres for what proved to be the rest of the race. So, to my mind, it's definitely not clear-cut that Ferrari were the out outright pace winners this weekend. Well, I, I don't think Kimi is a fair benchmark this week because he never got his car set up properly. And I'm and Botas is interesting. He was he had a great second stint, but his first stint he lost buckets of time on the ultra soft tires again you're gonna have to look at mercedes and go are they starting to have tire trouble again i came into this weekend with a lot of questions and i'm leaving it with a lot more questions than answers i got i do have to agree with matt in that there is an element of both yes mercedes uh, made a boo-boo and ferrari are most definitely closer at the moment um again like i say it, 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 we need a couple more races to get a clear indication but um i i really don't think vettel would have been able to pass you, you see how difficult it is just to stay close and vettel in those first few laps it didn't look like he was you know sitting pretty just waiting for his opportunity to overtake it he looked like he was struggling to pass so 
And, and he said as much. Well, he just said, how do you expect me to do that? Exactly. And, you know, the, the, this then comes back to the issue of racing. Again, I need a couple of races to fully make my final judgment on this. But from what I've seen so far, I am, I don't have big expectations for the season. Matt? Yeah. And just, just to clarify my remarks, I was talking about the, the, the race pace of the car in clean air, not whether or not Ferrari would be able to get in front of Mercedes had Mercedes retained position at the pit stops, which there's no excuse for them having not done. I will just say. Okay. So where does, you know, you know me, you know, the terrible state of my marriage and how everything must be settled blame wise before moving on. So whose fault was it? Now you guys know I'm a massive Lewis Hamilton fan and at the risk of Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Angering Van Jean, an even bigger one. I really do put a little bit of the responsibility for this on Lewis Hamilton. I know ultimately the pit wall makes the call, but if he, he's on the radio constantly saying, my tyres are gone, my tyres are gone, I need new tyres, because he wants fresh boots, Alex. And I'll, let, I'll let you come in next. Um, for the Mercedes guys on the pit wall, yes, they've got all the information, but one big token of information is, what is your number one three-time world driver champion saying to you? And he's saying, there's tyre wear here today. Lewis seemed really jumpy on the radio today, a bit uncharacteristically. I don't think he expected to have, however much he keeps saying he wants a challenge. I don't think he expected that Ferrari so big in his mirrors for that whole first stint, especially when it seemed like he was really, really pushing. But um, if I was his engineer, I'd have said to Lewis, calm down. Your, t- your laps are fine because his lap times were fine. He started saying that he couldn't do a particular lap time. And then he and did it. That lap. <laughs> yeah, that was the and high exactly. 27s. Yeah. Every single time he's told to do a lap time, he says he can't do it. And three laps later, he does it and stays there. So that was that annoyed me. If I was his race engineer, I'd say, just keep going. It's fine. We've got track position. Overtaking will be difficult. Your tyres are fine. Your lap times are fine. Just keep going. And there was none of that. 
Yeah, and that speaks to the weakness of Mercedes, which is when they're called upon to make split-second strategy decisions, whatever computer program they're using is not giving them accurate information or the information they need in the time they need it in. Because, I mean, you know, I remember watching Alonso lose the world championship and screaming at him that 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 Petrov was still in his pit window. Don't bring him in. Don't bring him in. It seems so obvious to me. I was like literally like I'm sitting here and I look up and suddenly I see that Lewis is no longer in first place. I'm like, what's going on? He's in the pits. He's in the pits. Why is he in the pits? What what sense does that make? And it made no sense at all. There was no way Vettel was getting around him. It's almost like the deal at Abu Dhabi where they called him and said, okay, you're, you're, you're in danger now. When everyone knew he could have driven much faster had he chosen to. It was highly unlikely Vettel was going to get by him. And even if he did, it still would have been better. Uh, for him to come out and be able to chase Vettel than be stuck behind Verstappen. Yeah, Alex. In the heat of the moment, it's really, really difficult to know what kind of lap times you're doing. So in the past, we've done our 24-hour races, and I, and you know, a lead has gone past me, and I'm thinking, oh, what's wrong with my pace? I radio in and say, how's my pace looking? And usually I'm told, it's fine, just keep going. And yeah. that completely reassures you. You get on with it, you put your head back down, you keep going. They're like, and, hang on, they're like, your and, pace for you? Yeah, fine. Um, and um, um, and he could have just kept on going if he just had the right calls from his engineer I think he was let down by his engineer he moaned too much on the radio but you can't take much from that it's heat at the moment but um, yeah it's a big Mercedes screw up they could have made it much much harder for Ferrari I would be careful about blaming the engineer because a strategist makes those calls you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, and the chat room has brought up the interesting and somewhat topical point that it's not just Red Bull whose trick suspension has been disappeared. The Mercedes has also removed theirs. And so we could be seeing some secondary effects from that, especially as regards tire wear playing out. And Heartbreak Ridge in the chat room gives me sabotage of the week for that derailment of Alex's point. Sabotage of the week. I, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, Matt, but I think that I think someone does need to have a word in Lewis's ear and either says either trust us or I, I think that's it, isn't it? You've, you've got to trust us. If we tell you the times are fine and we tell you that the other the other guys are going to stay out there. Well, I didn't hear the call the box. Nobody did. But but they didn't say, all right, that, you know, he didn't say I have to come in or else I'm going to lose the race. Just they called him into box. And so he did what they said. And the end, they have the better information. And you've seen it in the past. They've told him to do X or Y and he'll argue. But at the end of the day, usually they comply because they understand the pit wall has a better sense of the big picture. Okay, guys, we're running short on time. So let's get on to any other business. There were other people in the race, not just those two. (laughs) <laughs> so how did the number twos do? We've covered it briefly. Uh, you reckon, Matt, that Bottas just didn't have his car set up at all this weekend. So I take you're not writing him off. You're just saying he had a bad weekend of setup. But this was meant to be Kimi's comeback. He could push. Kimi of old was going to return. I said, I, I said, I said, wait, you have confused me because you used the word Bottas at first and Raikkonen just now. Yes, this I meant it was Raikkonen who didn't have the car properly set up for him. And no, I wouldn't write him off. He had the fastest time at testing. So I think you will see tracks where he does very, very well. 
And then I think you'll see tracks where he does not do so good, which is, well, kind of his thing. Yeah, Chris. Uh, I have to completely agree with you on Raikkonen just did not hit the sweet spot at all. And we know how, you know, he needs that setup to be just right to, you know, to get the best out of Kimi on Bottas. I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of this weekend. Not at all. Uh, for his first race with Mercedes, I mean, what more could you expect of him? I think he did a pretty sterling job. Okay, I disagree. I counter. I counter. I think that he was flattered. He was flattered, again, by Hamilton's uh, terrible call to come in uh, eight laps before him. Because obviously, for the rest of the race, he had fresher tyres for the whole the whole rest of the race. Of course, he would close the gap, Chris. Yeah, but then you've also got to consider that undercut, overcut period. Uh, yeah, Lewis would have been sort of backed into him on that, uh, which pretty much leveled out, you know, Valtteri's awkward first stint. But the way he reeled him in, I'm, I'm quite impressed by that. And, you know, you wouldn't expect him to be right on Lewis's pace straight away. For him to have come away on the podium, top job. I think that is the minimum we could have expected, Matt, his performance this weekend. He did exactly what he was brought in to do, which is drive the Mercedes and pick up whatever points Lewis leaves behind him. Okay. That was what he was brought in to do, and he did a sterling job of it. And in that sense, he was an excellent choice for what they needed. But it occurs to me that there was an issue that we heard on the radio briefly, and that word was overheating. And I'm, again, overheating you're thinking tires, you're thinking car, some of Lewis's lack of pace might be explained by getting outside the parameters that they wanted him to stay inside of in an effort to either get round Verstappen or to catch up to Vettel, both of which proved to be rather impossible. Ryan, if uh, had, had Bottas ca- catched up completely, do you think that they would have allowed him past Lewis Hamilton? I... Not 100% sure on that, to be honest. Uh, I, I sort of, I'm not 100 uh, I don't think uh, that it's like a McLaren, like equal roles. I do have a feeling that it's it's Lewis Hamilton's team and Bottas has just been brought in uh, to sort of pick up the pieces. Chris is shaking his head, but I completely agree with him, Ryan. I think Bottas, oh. Bottas is who they could get at the time. They've got no genuine desire to see him be world champion. He is there to nod and hope for a second year. But I think I, I really want to see a battle between Hamilton and Bottas because I do think Bottas has got some good pace behind him. Uh, wrong yeah. and unlucky you won't. No, you, you wait until the race, <laughs> which is coming very soon where Valtteri out-qualifies Lewis and they have to battle for the lead. You what? You, you just watch what they do then because it's going to come very soon. Well, no one's suggesting, Alex, are they, that Hamilton's going to beat him 20 races out of 20? I would, but that's me. Um, no, on a, se- <laughs> on a serious note, I think the biggest show was would Nico have dropped 10 seconds behind Lewis in 18 laps. No, absolutely not. But is, is 10 seconds fair for, you know, he's, that's his first race with Merck? No, no. He's, a, he's a young, professional racing driver with two or three years under his belt. He's yeah. had plenty of testing. He's done, more, he's done like, how many race runs did he do in testing? He knows the car back to front. 
it doesn't take that long to get on top and of it a wasn't car. it wasn't 10 seconds over the course of the whole race was it it was 10 seconds dropped very quickly In 18 laps that's over half a second a lap when the cars at that point of the race once you get into pit windows and the pit and the pit stops happen the cars aren't completely equal because you've got different tire lives from the second the lights go out the cars are equal so and then it all changes afterwards and what happened afterwards was different but i just just the that big drop after 18 laps worries me for Bottas going forward. Okay, look, we've got some personal big dirty news for one of our panel. It deserves the bumper. Big dirty news. I don't know how it keeps happening. To me, he seems like a talentless hack who couldn't grow a beard if he was injected with an Eastern European shot put team's worth of testosterone. But wouldn't you know it, this little fella, little fella over there, Rainbow Sparkles, only gets a double page spread in Autosport magazine. Just fantastic news. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah, thanks. I mean, everything you just said is exactly (laughs) true. I mean, at school, I was not good at anything. You know, except right, they could uh, get an essay back and they'd be like, the writing's fantastic, but the knowledge is just pathetic, really. Um, <laughs> so, are you, that, hang on a minute, let's get some history then. Are you basically an English major or an English student who was good at writing and then was like, oh, what can I write about? All the good stuff's taken. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. I did English literature and drama and geography at A level. And really, the only thing that actually required knowledge there was geography. Okay, so I mean, so you've been covering the 750 series, which is uh, amateur races, uh, club championships, and I mean, to us, it seems like a, a big deal that you would get a double page spread in Autosport magazine. But you know, did it surprise you? Um, well, they 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 sent me the word count, and I so I knew from then it was going to be a a double page um, spread, and it, uh, yeah, still a very overwhelming. Um, thing it's 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 in this week's um autosport page seventy if anybody's interested um but um, well I mean yeah, I'm I, interested I'm because we're glad for you not interested enough to to read a physical dead tree magazine is it online <laughs> anywhere um if you've got the subscription um Ugh, then you, no you can you can access it online um or you, you know what it's on my Twitter you can read it the photo I put up. It might be eligible if you like zoom it's in. Really, enough. really zoom in. Okay, Chris. So uh, presumably, you know, uh, this is a bit of a dream come true for you, and uh, I guess this is you stamping your world and saying, you know what, I'm a real journalist, and I get paid real money to do real things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty much come to that. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm growing a beard. I'm getting paid to write. I am adulting now. You know, it's uh, it's it's pretty weird. Um, there there is some other stuff in the pipeline coming up quite soon that I'm very excited about. So just, uh, yeah, just watch this space. Crushingly jealous. It couldn't have happened to a less deserving fella, but nevertheless, <laughs> you get some podium music. Yeah, Chris Stevens. Working hard. Doesn't happen overnight. Okay, let's get on to any other business, guys. Matt, where on yeah. earth were Red Bull? Oh, Red Bull were nowhere, and we've discussed why. And Ricardo had the weekend to not remember. Weekend to forget? I don't know. It was not good for him, and then it got worse. And then when you didn't think it could get any worse, well, worse showed up and whacked him over the head with the worst stick one more time. It was astonishing how how poorly prepared they looked for this race. 
But that's not what I want to talk about. You know what I want to talk about? Because I'm American. I want to talk about Haas. And I want to specifically talk about how unbelievably well Grosjean did in qualifying and how utterly gut-wrenching it was to see that engine go poof with a water leak. Because he was he would have he would have scored probably as many points as they did in Australia last year, and that would have set them up for the whole season. And you just gotta wonder, you know, will they be able to replicate that performance on a proper race track? Ryan. Uh, it was it was disappointing because I had my money on um uh Van Dorn being the first to break down on my Badger GP. I was so determined that it was going to be a Honda that broke down and then a Haas breaks down. It's just disappointing. Yeah, and that Ferrari power unit was brilliant, Chris. Uh, I have to absolutely agree with you on the Haas. Crushingly disappointing, but you know Van Dorn very nearly did uh break down. He had to do a manual like cycle of his engine, restart it himself in his pit box which is I, i've never seen that in a race before which is pretty astonishing really when you think about it and i will say matt his race engineer didn't sound like really sympathetic about it like over the radio it made it sound like oh we do this all the time stoffel and made it just seem like he'd just forgotten how to do it yeah well you say that but having watched the patrick dempsey documentary on lamont the start procedures for race cars are a little bit more complicated than the ones for your family haulers as it were the other thing i really wanted to get to was antonio giovanazzi and the sour because oh my goodness all right i already loved this kid from gp2 he knocked it out of the park in qualifying that one mistake was the only thing that let erickson pretend like he might have half as much talent as giovanazzi he made stroll look kind of poor in the williams yes and then the race then in the race, he finishes, was it 12th? Chris, was it 12th he finished? He finishes 12th, and then he's like, well, you know, from GP2, I really didn't want to push the tires because it was such a long second stint. I could have gone a lot faster, and you're just like, oh, I would have loved to have seen that. And I hope he gets a chance to drive again because if I was Pascal Veriline, I would be on the phone to my agent very concerned right now. I really couldn't believe what he managed to achieve. He gets drafted in on Saturday morning uh, and puts in a real fantastic performance in qualifying, just so nearly gets into Q2. And, you know, he has been battering on the door of F1 for a number of months now. And he gets this just random opportunity because he's a Ferrari test driver. And I can, you know, seriously see him getting uh, maybe some FP1 sessions with Sauber now. And do you know what? If, If he wants to get a race seat, then the rest of it is down to Pascal Verlaine, if you ask me. I am astonished he decided not to race this weekend. How much money must Marcus Ericsson have? Or does he just have really incriminating photos of the entire Clattenburg clan? How, how, how much influence must he have to keep out either Giovinazzi or Pascal Verlaine? I was actually asking. Uh, well, uh, that's a, a very interesting question. Um, <laughs> Marcus, he does bring a lot of uh, money to the table. Interestingly, up until sort of about now, I rated him as a uh, a decent driver, you know, uh, somebody who was pretty solid and would get pretty much the most out of the car. But I think Antonio has uh, kind of ca- changed the game a little bit there. I, we may be making a complete snap judgment on him, but it, it was certainly a very impressive debut performance we didn't get to see any form of performance from ericsson because he got wiped out at turn three and his car was 
you know, floor destroyed and all that kind of stuff. So you can't judge him against it. But how about the previous what, two years? Can we can we use that? But, it's not too bad. Get out. <laughs> um, but a point a point for Giovinazzi. Going back to my point before about Bottas, Giovinazzi jumped in the car and did absolutely fine. Bottas just getting into that team means nothing. Great because argument. if Giovinazzi can jump in after one after one practice session. Yep. One one hour practice one session. one hour practice session and a qualifying session and put in that kind of performance that shows what a true professional racing driver can do in a car. Yeah, Marcus Hoxton, he's all right, but Lewis Hamilton, he ain't. It's true. What a weird thing to say. Okay. We've been about all over the place, and I do apologise to the audience because we've we've covered no real ground. So I'm sure I can rec- highly recommend some podcasts that painstakingly go over every single point uh obviously you know i do prefer if we're on rails a little more uh, than we have been today and matt where do you want to go to for any other business before we move on to the podium well i mean i think the the only other business really to discuss and and it's sort of come up as 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 a sub theme is is for me is that after the race they asked several drivers about overtaking and this started to show up as a, a current of concern and and it was just they're saying it's about two and a half seconds back of the cars. Last year, it was about a second, a second and a half. And that's down to, uh, for everyone who's interested, which would be like me and Summers and possibly Vortex, a lot of that is down to the lower rear wings and had been predicted to be a problem since the moment these regulations were revealed. And it's going to be something that the new owners of the sport are going to have to finally deal with, I think. And we, we've we've heard like Summers silently screaming every time we've been talking about these regulations because he's seen absolutely uh, from day one that they they weren't going to improve the racing. So I mean, Alex, you know, as as your as a racer that you claim to be, you can't see my air quotes, uh, listeners. Uh, but we've got the hard tires we wanted. We've got the more downforce we wanted. Is it the horrible mistake? It's it's looking like it might be, or is is this not the right track to judge? Lumping a load of downforce on was always going to cause this issue. It's the wrong track to have the first race at. Cooks always yeah. going to cause the issue. Oh, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. It's, and and the thing is, I swear, we have this conversation every <laughs> single year, which is, oh, new rules are rubbish. There's no overtaking. That's because there's never any overtaking <laughs> in Australia. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many overtakes there were today, but there were only 26 last year. All right, then, cool. Let's, let's quickly, let's derail even more. Where would you have the opening race, Alex? Because I'm happy with China. I'd be happy with China or Bahrain as an opening race. Oh, if you want loads of overtaking, do it at Monaco, surely. Oh, again. <laughs> right. Ericsson, I could forgive. Uh, this I can't, Chris. I want Adelaide back. Oh, yeah, because that would be so much better a street circuit. So basically Monaco, but in Australia. Yeah, but I love street circuits because that's where you really see the driver's skill. But we're um, talking about overtaking, right? All the time. <laughs> Oh, Ryan, Chris, uh, Chris, don't go too hard on Ryan. This is, after all, his testimonial and final show. Okay. Um, <laughs> no pressure. You always have a safe space on lean angle, mate. Don't worry. Don't let him bully you. Um, uh, I, I've forgotten the point I was going to make now. Cheers. Um, no, I mean, I, I, Australia is capable of having great races. You know, you just need to kind of look pre-2014, pre-the hybrid era to, to, to know that. Name me a decent race that has been that that hasn't been caused by a crash then happening. 2011. Every, it, the, the, race is only, the races are only decent when a crash happens and the pack gets bad, bunched up. That didn't happen today, so there was field spread. Uh, 2008, 2010, 
2011, 2012, even 2013, mate. You're just saying numbers. <laughs> Let Matt say things so that we can all take a break. Yeah. So first of all, am I understanding, Spanners, that that Jeansy now is the Ericsson of the podcast? And and secondly, the the, the chat room is trolling us pretty hard as they're now suggesting <laughs> Baku as the first race of the year. Well done, Baku. Well done. Although I would personally go for either Monza or Silverstone for the first race of the year because they're proper tracks and you get an idea of the cars a lot better and you'd have a gazillion fans. But Australia has paid its time and they get they get the race first and then we have to wait for China to find out what's really going on. That said, nothing I saw in Australia may be the least bit excited for anything being all that much better in China. Yes, that's right, Sam Harper. That's right, Sam Harper. Baku welcomes all of us. And he's trolling you as well, Chris, by randomly typing numbers into the chat room. Go on, Ryan. <laughs> but, but Monza is probably the most boring circuit on the calendar when it comes to racing. The only sort of benefit or the, uh, is the, you know, the, all the Ferrari fans and all, all the fans at the end of the race. That's the only thing that really makes Monza Monza. The fact that it's really quick. So you have an awesome qualifying, but the race is just like, it's just boring. No, Ryan, you're not coming back on lean angle after you've said that. The end of Ryan's podcasting. A round of applause for the end of Ryan's podcasting <laughs> career, everyone. He's had a good run to get this far with so little talent or brain. Uh, is a fantastic and remarkable achievement. Is it all doom and gloom, Alex, for the rest of the season? No, it's not. I think uh, we wake up again fresh and early in China and uh, they've got a big, long back straight. They've got long flowing corners, lots of overtaking opportunities in China. Racing isn't just about overtaking. Racing is about the battle. Racing is about um, following somebody. Racing is about strategy. There is so much more than just watching cars overtake. We were given overtaking when DRS came in and everyone said it was fake. The best moves you've ever seen are the ones that have taken ages. Let me go back to, I can't remember the year, but Schumacher and Mika Hakkinen where Hackenin waited for lap after lap after lap with a faster car and had to wait for a back mark to make it move. It's then you see how good the moves are. We'll see some stunning moves this year from Max, from Lewis, from Seb. We'll see some, we will see some amazing overtakes. It just won't be 10 to the dozen. Are you seriously thumping the table with passion as you make that point with the drum beats? We can hear all of that. Chris? Sorry. See, it's a bit, good point. I, I agree with Alex. There is far more to a great race than just purely the number of overtakes. Um, I would put Spain last year down as a pretty good race because you had Max and Kimi, you know, nose to tail for pretty much the second half of the race. And you had the strategy element with Seb and Daniel getting uh, a little bit screwed over as well. But there is a there is a difference between being close because you have equal pace and being close simply because you cannot overtake, which is what I believe we are kind of at at the moment. You'll see a far quicker car closing a gap, but then they just cannot get there. And yeah, what, like yeah. Alonso in 2010 behind Petrov? Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. It's, it's what F1's about. As I keep saying, as I said this loads of times in our chat group, but F1 is, has never been an out and out overtaking formula. F1 has always been about creating the best car to go around a track as fast as possible. Matt. Yeah, right. So here we go. First of all, the reason everyone hates DRS 
is because the rules take the choice out of the driver's hands from a strategic point of view. And I would simply point at IndyCar, which says you have whatever, two and a half minutes of push to pass, use it when you like, no more than 30 seconds a shot. So number one, DRS looks artificial because it is artificial because it's enforced by a rule that limits it to certain drivers at certain times. That's a problem with the regulations in general for Formula One. And yeah, I agree. Sometimes Formula One is very exciting because not much happens, but it almost does. We're not getting that. You don't have the sense that Vettel might have gotten by Lewis had they kept on racing and Mercedes not mistakenly pitted him. You didn't get the sense that Botas would have gotten by Hamilton had he had he had he put his nose in there unless Hamilton just made a proper, proper mistake, you know, uh, a la Vettel leading in Canada when Button was trailing him. And that's what's with this particular set of aero regulations and with the way the whole sport is currently running. It's it's not that the battle should always yield victory. Sometimes the defender wins, sometimes the attacker wins. But right now, right now the defender wins, period. I mean, come on. I know Giovinazzi is a decent driver, but look at how long he held off Stroll in the Williams. And he was driving a Sauber with last year's Ferrari power unit in it. It just says that the, the delta needed for overtaking is too large for the delta that these cars are generating to each other right now. And that needs to be addressed. Sam Harper in the chat room says 1997. And much like Felipe Massa uh, at the end of last season, Ryan Ferris is going to, to leave us early. But before you go, Ryan, why don't you tell us where people can find you on the internet? And please, honestly, just trust me on this one, kids. Do follow him. Um... <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at ferret115, that is IT, not ET. You can also find me on the Lean Angle podcast with uh, Chris Stevens and I. Uh, you should definitely check that out. And uh, you'll probably hear me chatting some stuff at Castle Coombe at some point uh, later on next month. Do that, Ryan. Uh, we'll let you go and catch up on your Moto GP. Now, see you later, bud. So before we get to the podium... There was something I desperately wanted to do before we got to the podium, but I've absolutely forgotten it. So let's go and give out our... Oh, Matt's, oh, Matt's made a face. I was just making faces because you forgot. And that's <laughs> a sign of being old, my friend. A What's sign of being very, on? very, very old. I started this podcast sober. I will never, ever make that mistake again. Let's move on to the podium. Let's move on to a properly volumed podium. If you've sat through that derailment fest, then we can only assume that you enjoy listening to Missed Apex podcast. Do us a favor, subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're struggling to find the links to do that or the RSS feed for your Android device, go to Missed Apex F1 and you will find instructions there on how to subscribe. That way it gets delivered to you every single week. You don't have to rely on me remembering to go on social media and do things correctly. If you want to find out when the live stream is happening, we've been very good at getting here at 8pm on a Sunday, but you'll get a notification if you go onto my YouTube channel, Spanners Ready. When we go live, you'll get a little mobile notification. You can find that at mistapex.com forward slash live stream. So, Matt Trumpets, who was your thing of the weekend? Oh, my thing of the weekend, beyond a shadow of a doubt, had to be Vettel trying to park his car in the victory garage. 
because now they're wider and apparently they forgot to resize the garage. So the two Mercedes <laughs> were parked and he went to try and pull in between them. And he's like, whoa, this is not going to work. What do I do now? It was brilliant. Brilliant. Alex Van Jean, who takes your reward for being the thing of the weekend? It's got to be the absolute decimation of the lap record. 1.2, 1.3 seconds faster than the lap record, the previous lap record. I'm so looking forward to watching the lap times tumble this year. And where we talked about noticing whether the cars go are looking like they're faster or not, in qualifying they look fantastic. So you're giving like F1 the thing of the weekend award? Yeah, why not? I'm giving Bernie the thing of the weekend. He brought these rules in. Speaking of that, did you see the advert on Sky where they, they basically recreated the old Guinness advert and the, the line on the voiceover was, time waits for no man, or the march of time can be stopped by no one, no matter how great. And it was Bernie getting into a helicopter. And I was like, wow! Like, that It was a sick, sick burn from Liberty Media. Uh, anyway, Chris Stevens, who was your thing of the weekend? What? Who? When? When was your thing uh- of the weekend? Mine's slightly more boring than the other two, and it's got to be Giovinazzi. Just has to be. I've never seen a driver do what he did this weekend. Excellent. And my thing of the weekend, and I'm the winner, because I think this is correct, is uh, Kevin Magnussen. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Lap one. That, I mean, if you're going to take him out, that's where you hit him. Great punt, K-Mag. Boom! Next award. Who missed the apex for you, Mr. Trumpets? Oh, Mercedes strategists missed the apex. And more importantly, they missed the Verstappen still loitering in their pit window. That was amazing. That's the thing. I don't know if we covered that earlier, but surely they must have known that they were going to put him out behind Verstappen. Did they just think, no, he's going to pit very soon, so it won't be an issue or we'll be able to get past him? Because his engineer was saying, you know, come on, get get past they were more worried about the undercut from Ferrari than they were about the fact that Max Verstappen in an even wider car might be problematic to get by. Chris Stevens, who do you incorrectly, I'm going to presume, think missed the apex this week? Uh, well, Blackout 19 seems to think that my beard has missed, uh, missed the apex. Uh, <laughs> uh, for, for me, it's a toss-up between Red Bull and Haas. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Haas. Actually, yeah, Grosjean had a really good chance of a real solid, you know, top six finish, and yeah, it was a missed opportunity for them. Gene Z, who missed the apex, the Mercedes extra long wheelbase, because every single time in qualifying they had to wheel out um, Bottas on the dump, on the dummy wheels because he couldn't turn because the <laughs> pit lane is too narrow. <laughs> I love that it. Was brilliant. Problems. I love that. Uh, for the first time ever. I am giving the missed apex award to, oh, please don't hate me. I'm giving it to Lewis Hamilton because I think that, oh God, and it hurts. It hurts to do it. And Alex, I can tell, right. I can tell exactly how long the lag is to Alex's Skype because this instant he heard that, he looked very, very angry. But I, I honestly think that he's, he influenced the team poorly. I, I, somehow something in his head just wasn't quite clicking right. And I think strategically, he dropped the ball there this week. I think he forced he forced the hand of Mercedes. And from a three-time world champion, I think he could have done better. And I desperately want him to do better. We're not friends anymore. It's a risk I had to take. One more award left, guys. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Sam Harper's just said, Alex has had a stroke. Uh, 
<laughs> and more beer talk. Guys, you got to let that go. Okay, so um, my Missed Pony Award, I don't know if anybody else has one, but mine goes to... Uh, <clears throat> what place am I in? Is that Italian or is that Spanish? I'm trying to do Spanish. Uh, I am from Barcelona. I know nothing. What place am I in? Uh, Fernando, you are in 10th place. Okay, okay, I carry on, I carry on. What place am I in now? You're in 11th place. Oh no, there is uh, a problem with the car. <coughs> That's just you making mouth noises into the radio. No, no, it's a problem. <coughs> I need to, I need to retire. <coughs> Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. One really has to wonder why you were doing an Italian accent for Fernando Alonso. Geographically, it was close. <laughs> I was, I've been geographically close to races. It didn't mean I went to them. Uh, he spent so much time at Ferrari, you can give him that. No, it's it's got to be my mate Palmer. Bless him. <laughs> he was, <laughs> and I've hurt Matt now because Matt was going to say the same thing. His rant after qualifying was just was just i'm so fed up i want to go home i don't want to take part in the race tomorrow just just let me go please the car's awful yeah he actually said the car's awful terrible nothing works careful with your language lad it's like he could have said oh we couldn't get the setup back you know we failed to recreate the great car we had in practice they sacked pros for less ferrari sacked pros for less yeah and force india pulled the resta keep going back to it yeah, and they made him issue an apology on social media. Oh, I saw that. Oh, yes. God, it was really, you know, it was kind of everybody and, and it was all this. And then at the end, oh. he was still like, but it was the car. <laughs> it was beautiful. Sorry, not sorry. Well, the, the, the thing is, you know, but when a driver goes on that, it is just pure gold to someone like me, you know, reporting on it. Yeah, your ears just prick up and you're like, oh, a driver has gone on a run. Let me just whip out my laptop real quick you journos instantly looking for the juggler and how to ruin a young lad's career hey hey it's gonna get clicks (laughs) clickbait no hey every uh, journalist will tell you every headline ever created is clickbait that's a good point uh matt did, did you have a pony award this week uh palmer was my pony award and jeansy just done stole him away in 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 great fashion as well chris do you have a pony award yeah, mine's got to be Hamilton. Just some of his stuff on the team radio. He's so jumpy and so jittery. and Yeah, I think he deserves this one. Okay, which only was, leaves us with... Oh, go on, Alex. It was going to be my Pony of the Award, but I can't give it to this. I might do one day, but not today. You know what? I'll come in with an alternate then. Toto Wolf's fist banging looked so completely convincing. <laughs> he's been passed. Oh, no, my driver has been passed. Boo. <laughs> it was the saddest bit of TV theatrics I've seen in quite some time. And I expect much better from Toto. He's usually better at this sort of stuff. The last anyone- time we saw that was when they hit each other at Osterite Ring. Osterite Ring? That's a long time ago. Red Bull Ring. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Oh, we've got a call from Felix. We're going to take it. I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call him back. Hold on a second. Don't worry. Somebody will edit this clap out. Uh, it's fine. It's probably going to be me. It was all my fault. Let's add him to the group. Let's see what Felix has to say. Hello from Sweden. Uh-oh. I've just remembered that Felix is from Sweden. Uh, my, my IT support help, the guy that got Mr. Apex up and running when my computer died. Uh, Felix, what have you got to say? 
Uh, I'm sorry for uh, Marcus Ericsson. Your computer and yeah, I'm Marcus Ericsson. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I, I, I take I take full responsibility for that. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so good of you, Felix. I appreciate that. Uh, what can what can we address with your call today? One thing that I noticed was um, turn one, no crash. Yeah, do you and think I, that's uh, everyone was being super cautious, or is that something yeah, new about the cars? Uh, I don't know. Um, it must have been some kind of seasons season tension or whatever i don't know maybe everyone was well behaved uh, but <laughs> i was betting everything on some giant pile up or whatever <laughs> exactly so so who, yeah. who 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 going forward do you think is going to impress us for the rest of the flyaway races still ferrari they already have impressed us so uh my expectations are high already um i think uh, the midfield teams some someone in there will impress us uh, I believe perhaps Toro Rosso uh, and Science again. I hope um, so because I've got them in my yeah. fantasy team. So I, I absolutely <laughs> hope you're right, Felix. Uh, Felix, thank you very much for your call. Thank you for your support and thank you for rescuing me uh, the weekend <laughs> the podcast you said died. Uh, no problem. I hope, ho- hope uh, everything will be fine. Definitely call in soon again. See you soon, Felix. And uh, and I can't believe I forgot about this comment of the week, but it was it was really a no brainer. Comment of the week. Comment of the week was from Sam Harper, 2005. Comment of the week. Okay, guys, we're going to get out of here. Make sure you follow, follow Alex Van Jean. Where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter at, at Alex Van Jean. That's V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Please follow me. At the moment, I follow more people than I'm being followed by. I could do with at least 100 more followers. Oh, well, I don't push Twitter. Oh. However, I'm racing from next month, 23rd of April, um, at Tamworth. Yeah, the Daytona Tamworth in the Cough Cart series. Um, great little series, great little uh, national series um, where the quality is really good up and down the field. So um, I'll be posting bits about that. Yeah, and from where you are, you can see the entire field. So your, your helmet cam will capture all the action up front. Ha, ha. <laughs> Speaking my, of, to, to be fair, my helmet cam's broken. So, if there's any sponsors listening, like <laughs> GoPro, I could happily do with a free GoPro camera to prom- to promote your product. I don't mind. Speaking of karting, you keep promising to take me karting. Invite Bradley along as well. And it looked like from our Twitter poll that most people would want to pay between like forty and sixty quid. Do you reckon we can do a decent bit of karting for that? I will look into it this week. Um, however, um, when you talked about me and you going karting, I've been karting with you. Where's that video, Spanners? There. Uh, <laughs> I did not know there was audio on my helmet cam. Uh, and for, for until I find some decent background music that will fully drown out. Uh, I'm not proud. I'm not proud of what I said. But I did not know that the helmet cam uh, had audio. Chris? Uh, you, you do realize you can just like mute that in editing software? Well, there you go. You ruined on, a good story I, I, with I, I, the truth. Congratulations. Matt PT, 55 is where you can find Matt Trumpets on the internet and his wife sells books and she is at Amanda Weaver writes and until China now we'll do a show before China have we got a tech time before China uh no idea but I'm sure we could do a I could just transcribe our whatsapp chat today and that would take like three hours 
Okay, I will challenge Matt Summerfield to an arm wrestle. And if I am victorious, we will have a tech time uh, next week. But we will definitely see you sometime before China. So don't give up on F1. It's shaping up to be a great season. Mercedes are not all and done for. Go on, Chris. Sorry, just just before really? we wrap up. Like, uh, while I'm on that kind of a flow, whilst I'm on, like, I'm about to say the line, the line. I'm about to do the thing. And you're there waving your chubby fingers at me. I'm sorry, but you were, those of you in the live stream probably know there's a MotoGP race happening. Oh, right? my God, During really? For MotoGP, you so, interrupted. So and uh, on Lean Angle, we're, we're going to be do, doing the review of that race. It's the start of the season. Please check it out and follow me on Twitter at cstevens_journal underscore journal as well. Hashtag neckbeard. If you, Spanners is going to kill you. If you fell down next to me and you look really, really in a bad way, I wouldn't do anything at all. Wounds heal, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. If you were on fire and all I had was a beverage that I didn't even like... <laughs> I would drink it instead of putting you out. Well, I don't have a feeling the debriefer tonight is going to be long. <laughs> I, I had a wonderful time. You, you skipped my promo. <laughs> I gave you... We motorbikes. We, you had like about 10 minutes in the middle of the thing talking about some article. Lean Angle and the views have been dropping and I need to get them up. Did you not hear Ryan plug Lean Angle already? That's the one useful thing oh, he did I all forgot. show. Oh, oh, I forgot. This this is why everyone hates you. Seriously. I just thought it was the raging jealousy. <laughs> well, there is that. But I mean, would I swap, you know, for your success for your face? Oh. No, I would not You'd take swap it face. for my beard, though, wouldn't no, you? I would not give up this face. I'm sorry. Comment of the week. Oh, someone asked if your spread in Autosport was nude, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that never would have gotten any sort of publication. Nobody wants to see that. We've never given away two awards for comment of the week before. Well, that's a great place. A great place. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.